Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals, one of the most uh, watched and listened to podcasts uh, dealing with addiction and recovery. Uh, We deal with pretty raw issues. I don't want to make you nervous, Jeffrey, but uh, we have thousands of people who listen to this or watch it on YouTube or listen on on any podcast uh, platform. Uh, Are you nervous now? I was nervous when I walked oh, in the door, okay. so <laughs> telling me that made no difference. <laughs> okay. Jeffrey Landis is my guest. Jeff, I'll call you Jeff. Uh, and, and you're sort of a, you're, you're a good example of it's never too late to find recovery, right? Right. I agree. It, it, you, we were chatting beforehand. You started in, as, as a teenager— very with young. Typical teenage stuff, right? Like alcohol, marijuana, stealing mom's cigarettes, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, very young, probably being 13. When did you actually become addicted to a substance? Because a lot of kids do what you did, but they don't become addicted. I would say that, like, major part of my addiction came when I was 17, like, I mean, I was using really heavy, you know, from 13 to 17, but like some traumatic experiences in my life and uh, I really got bad when I was 17, like daily, like every waking moment was spent drinking or smoking something. And, And the traumatic event, was your mom dying? Yeah, I found my mother. Uh, dead when I was 17 years old. How did that affect you? Um, it affected me uh, very greatly. I had uh, had an argument with her the night before. Ooh. Yeah. Said some things that a child should never say to their parents. But of course I was using and not using that as an excuse of why I was the child I was, but, you know, the addiction and her addiction. I said some things I didn't didn't mean, didn't want to say, but they were said, and I found her dead the next day. And That must have caused I, some guilt feelings. Throughout my whole life. Really? Yeah. Have you dealt with it now? I have. I have. What, how do you, looking back on it, how do you, how do you, how do you look at it? How is that, how have you put that to rest? Um... Well, some people might disagree with how I view it now, but at my at the age that I was, 13 to 17, I shouldn't have had to deal with the things that I dealt with, you know, from my mother. And she was an alcoholic. She right? was. Okay. She was. I um I had I would never know what I would find when I come home, you know, if she had passed out in a chair friends all over the place in my house you know not her friends my friends or my uncle and his friends and just uh, you know you never knew what to expect so so okay you you had trauma and you numbed yourself pretty heavily uh with with what kind of drugs uh and you're you're 50 now and so that's a pretty long period what 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 transpired during those periods um, 
What do you mean by what? well? I mean, so so you were numbing yourself really heavily yeah. after your mom Definitely. died, uh, and and so between seventeen and fifty, what you 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 stayed addicted to substances. I did. Um, I would just. I spent. I worked all my life basically. Um, I managed, you know, going to work, um, spending all my money uh, <laughs> on. Drugs and alcohol, but so from all that age, I would just bounce around from drug to drug, you know, getting getting high, not caring about anything, living in my father's basement mostly until he got tired of it and kicked me out. So. <laughs> Was that a good move? We, we talk about that in a family support group I have as to whether you, letting your addicted loved one live in a house does that enable them, or, or, or should you set a boundary and say, get out? You really need to set that boundary as a parent. Um, as a child, I was very disrespectful, and my father didn't deserve that. You know, and, but that doesn't change that. And I do believe now as an adult that that was the best thing for him to do. Probably should have done it, you know. Before. Before. Um, there should have been more conversation probably. I believe in talking, you know, to your child, letting them know how you feel, of course, and just the honesty. But, yeah, you've got you to shut that door, you know. Um, I used to tell my dad in my adult years, uh, remove the emotion, you know, because it's got to be hard. I've never had children of my own, unfortunately. So, but you have to remove that emotion as a parent, you know, that makes you want to help, you know, makes you feel obligated to help. Because as long as you've done all that you can raising that child, and they're like, they get to a certain age, they're going to do what they're going to do anyways. Right, right. So, so you get thrown out, and, and you, you, you were homeless for quite some time? Yeah, I was homeless in, in Illinois for a little bit. Um, I was homeless in Utah. So, Which is better, Illinois <laughs> or Utah? <laughs> homeless in Utah is a lot easier. Is it? It, Why? it is. It is. Yeah, um, there's not as many resources in Illinois. Really? Yeah. In Chicago. And maybe there is, and I wasn't looking for them. Okay. Or I think it's more the population and the supply and demand isn't there. You know what I'm saying? There's more people to shelters than there. You know what I'm saying? There's more people than there is shelters. So they fill up quick and... Plus, the weather's just Yes, I was going to say, I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather be homeless here. Uh, so, so you lived on the street here in, in, in uh, Utah, and you were using the whole time? Um, I had, yeah, using the whole time. I've had uh, some little stints of clean time, like 30 days, 90 days. It, it, yeah, it seemed like something would always happen. And I would always run back to using, you know, so. Which is what, because I'm a recovering alcoholic, and I remember uh, all of us, I think, look to an event and say, 
oh, I, I, okay, I deserve to get high because this bad thing happened to me. And you can find that every day of your life if you want, right? You can. Yeah. You have to find the reasons to stay sober. Yeah. I mean, just like you. I mean, we can always use the excuses to get high or drunk, but why aren't we using them to stay sober? I mean, I have a lot of things I want to do in my life still, and one of them would be to reconnect with my family, you know? I've had a lot of nieces and nephews back home that I haven't talked to. My goddaughter I miss greatly, all of them. All of them. I don't want to signal anybody out, you know? And I just started talking to one of my nieces again. So, and that's very emotional for me that they're talking to me again, you know? Because it used to be uh, Uncle Jeff, he's a drug addict or something. Well, my brother and sister uh, both said that I was not allowed to talk to them. Wow. Yeah. How'd that make you feel? Well... Real piece of work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What was it? What was it tough living on the streets here in, in Utah? It can be. Um, I have a different opinion on things than most people. I think Utah is very is very good with their homeless. They uh in most areas, you know, there's a lot of areas that there's always room for improvement and everything. But I think they provide a lot of resources. There's a lot of people that care here and show it. And, but you, want, you have to want to get off the streets. You have to want to do something better, you know, want to just put that away and not go back to it because, let's face it, it it's... There's a sense of freedom there that, unfortunately... When you're out on the street yeah, using? Yeah. I mean, you don't have bills to pay. You don't have... <laughs> yeah, well. You know, I mean, it's the truth. But there's other things that come with that. People stealing from you. You know, it's not safe. It's cold. It's rainy. It's, you know... But there's always ways to get out of it. And sometimes it's a lot more difficult for other people, you know, than it is some. You, uh, you've spent time in jail and prison, right? Yeah. Uh, what was the most serious charge? The most serious charge I've had would probably, it's hard to say. Um, it was all drug-related stuff, right? It yeah, like I, I never, honestly, I've never done anything outside of a traffic ticket or jaywalking illegal in my life that wasn't uh, based around drugs. Which, and, and a lot of people don't understand that that would include stealing credit cards, shoplifting, uh, uh, that kind of stuff. And I, I did, I, last time I got caught with um, some IDs and some credit cards, uh, the credit card was my girlfriend's, my ex-girlfriend's, um, and I don't want to, anything I say on that will make it sound like I'm justifying. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to sound like that because I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have had it, and I did use it illegally. So I'm not going to so, lie. So how, how many, 
have you tried to get sober before? Many times. How many? Um, that I honestly couldn't tell you, Can't Randall. Too many to count? <laughs> I'm 50 years old, and I've been using heavily since I was 13. And I've been clean since July 5th, 2022. And that's the longest I've ever had since I was 13. Okay, and you are a very successful uh, uh, client of Odyssey House. Uh, Thank you. And, and you've, you've done great things and you give back a lot now. What prompted you? Everybody always asks this, especially in my family support group. When, did, when or why did you finally cry uncle? Just saying, okay, I'm, I'm done with this life. I've been trying to cry uncle for <laughs> many years, you know, it's uh, losing my wife, I'd, I'd say, was like probably the, the end, you know, I got caught with uh, um, the credit cards after that. I missed my wife's death. I was unable to be by her side. Tell me about that. You told me before we started yeah. recording this, that it, and that must have just been a horrible thing. Describe what, what, you, what you told me. Well, um, she, was, um, she had two strokes and congestive heart failure, first off. And um, during her first stroke, uh, we were talking, and then she got mad at me because I wouldn't stop using. Um, and uh, she cut off all communication with me and uh, I had some gentleman, a friend in the streets, you know how that is, <laughs> um, he stole my phone. So I, I didn't have a phone for like a month and uh, when I finally got a phone again, I received a message prior from, from her sister uh, saying that she had, my wife had gone into hospice and wanted to see me before she passed. So when I had called, she, Jennifer didn't answer, and uh, I called the other number, and her sister answered and said I had, I had missed her by an hour. Whoa. So. What would you have said <clears throat> if, you, if you had made it and, and you could have visited her? What, in other words, when you look back on it, I know it was a traumatic event for you. What do you wish you would have been able to say to her? I would have just made her laugh. <laughs> I told her I loved her, and uh, I would have made some off joke. Okay. We, uh, we used to laugh a lot, so. So you said this event was part of what made you want to finally get sober. Yeah, well, she she uh, and I have two granddaughters with that marriage, and uh, I would love to see them again. And on top of getting arrested that last time, um, I also, they, um, yeah, I also had a stolen vehicle on my record from that one and uh, I knew that I just couldn't do it anymore. I didn't want to go back to prison. I didn't want to miss anyone growing up anymore. Um, 
I love my grandkids, and I feel so bad for not being there, you know, for any of my family, my goddaughter back home. Um, I grew up Catholic, and, you know, being a godfather is a huge thing. Sure. And not being there for anything was, you know, I can't see a picture of them kids growing up without crying or, you know, of my wife without crying. It's just, and that's not all tears of sadness, you know. It's kind of like a, a humbling feeling, that knowing that I know I'm doing well now, you know, better than I have been, and my life is promising now. You know, I, it, I don't feel as hopeless as I did, so... I was going to say you have hope now, and you've accomplished a lot in terms of recovery and and giving back. Uh, I, I was impressed the other day when I was in a meeting with you, and, and you mentioned the fact that you really enjoy giving back. I do. Um, Why? Well, I know when I was out there... Um, I didn't feel human, you know? And a lot of people, you don't get that feeling from people when you're out there, honestly. A lot of times, a lot of people, you're a piece of trash on the street, you know? And I don't feel that way about anybody, you know? I try not to feel that way about myself. (laughs) But uh, honestly, I, I like to humanize people, let them know that I see them, you know? And let them feel comfortable enough to talk to me if they need help. You know, it's not about pushing the help on them. Right. Then the more you push help on somebody, <laughs> the more you're just going to push Good, them away. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if you just listen to them, help them with what they need, and what they ask for. The more you do that, the more they'll ask you for. And the the more they ask you for, the stuff that they're asking for becomes more helpful in their life, if that makes sense. And and, and what he's talking about is is we have an outreach team uh, that goes out and, and, and deals with people experiencing homelessness and people who are out on the street uh, still using. Uh, and and so you you interact with them. Uh, and, and you do it in a, and I think it's important what you just said. It, it, it would be like, like if you're watching and you know somebody who's dealing in addiction or, or, or is, is an addict, and you can tell them, I remember my mom telling me for decades, saying you shouldn't drink like you're drinking. Well, that didn't influence me. Or haven't you heard this one? Why don't you just stop? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And people don't realize how difficult that can be. So you've got to meet people where they are and, and help them when they can, establish a relationship, and then talk about the benefits of recovery and sobriety. Uh, and not saying you have to do this, but here's how I feel, you know, being sober. I mean, what, how would you describe if, 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 if I'm asking you and you're in some outreach kind of deal, uh, what's so good about being sober? What's so good about recovery? 
well, I don't have to, I don't have to do the things that I was doing that made me feel so bad about myself. You know, because how did, I mean, if I was talking to you and you were asking me that, I would just say, how do you feel about yourself right now? And why? I mean, you know, look at it. I mean, I, have, I feel so much better today than I ever did living on the streets. Uh, honestly, I just had one of the roughest weeks I've had since I've been out of inpatient. And I'm still sober. And I'm, I mean, it was tough. I didn't think about using, though, honestly. Really? Honestly, Good for I didn't, you. so I was happy. But I would just, it's there, man, when you want it, yeah. you know. And it feels better to do the things for yourself, you know, and to know that you've accomplished something, you know. And, of course, you're going to have some tough times, man. We all do. And, and it, yeah, we all do. Even the sober people that have been sober, the most successful people in their lives, they have rough days sure. too. They just handle them different. Yeah. You know, and for, if you want to change, man, it's not going to be easy, you know, and you're going to have days that you want to give up, but you got to remember the why, you know, what you're fighting for. Uh, one of the biggest things for me is the people in my life. And even if I didn't get them back, I'm one of those people, you know, that I want to get back. Because I know I'm not, in my addiction, who I want to be, you know. And that's what one of the things I would tell them. Who do you want to be, you know? And where do you see yourself? Is this how you see yourself? I mean, because you're an important person in this world, man. <laughs> Serious, you just yeah. got to believe it. Yeah. And, and you bring up a point. I think almost every single addict or alcoholic is, has great feelings of shame and guilt. And, and <clears throat> I've asked so many people saying, are you happy? Somebody who's an active addict. And nobody says they're happy. You know, they might say, well, when I get that rush from a shot of heroin or something, I, I'm, I'm sort of euphoric for a little while. But no, I'm not happy. Were you happy? No. Well, once that, once that euphoria diminishes, the pain comes back twice as bad. And then, I mean, you just keep escalating in the things you do to get what you're doing. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a, it's a slippery slope, and, and you, once you get involved in it, it seems like it's impossible to get out. It's a straight-down cliff for me. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it's it, like falling off the edge of a mountain, you know. And, and, and you're, how, how long did you say you've been sober? Um, it's been, see, 16 months now. Wow. Thanks, so. Thank you. Yes, that's it. If we were at an AA meeting or an <laughs> NA meeting or a CA meeting, there'd be a lot of applause. That's a, and that's the longest you've ever been sober, yeah. Yeah. right? Actually, I, July, July 5th of 2022, so okay. however many months that is, it's 15. Okay, you're bad at math, but you're good at recovery. 
Yeah, I'm <laughs> a machinist that's bad at math. Get it? So, uh, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Um, well, I would like to work in, you know, stay close in, in the field of addiction. You know, I've been looking into, actually, I've been looking into schools to Good. Yeah, get a counseling degree or something like that for addiction recovery. Um, I'm... Um, I'm doing my CPSS, the Certified Peer Support Specialist. Good for you. Uh, that's in December. I have to get all the paperwork done and the application in, but I'm going to do that. Um, I was encouraged by a bunch of friends to do so. So, I wish you well, well and I'm you. glad you stopped by for our for our podcast because I think you have an important story to tell. What's more, you're a really nice guy. Well, thank you, Randall. So are you. No, well, I appreciate that. You, you, uh, you're, you're just doing outstanding work in recovery, and I hope you continue your recovery, and you have a really good head on your shoulders, and everybody likes you. So did you know that? I didn't. Oh, well, they do. So, well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for coming by for the podcast, and hopefully what you've shared with people who are either watching or listening uh, will help them either in their recovery or recovery with a loved one. I hope I have, I hope I have helped some money. And for the parents, it's tough, I know, but you, you have to, you have to draw that line. Don't, I mean, it is tough, so. Thank you, Jeff. It's good to see you again. You're welcome, sir, and it's always a pleasure to see you. Thanks, and thank you for watching another edition of Odyssey House Journals.